latest episode of Nicholas City soundtrack in this episode Chris and I talked to Billy Page Billy Page has been around the hardcore scene for a very long time and Billy's been in a bunch of bands from Lockjaw to Ceasefire to Killshot to Wrong the Oppressor and a couple more I think um but we talked to Billy about her uh experiences in the scene Billy's been around as long as I've been around, and Billy hasn't stopped going to shows, which is awesome, because there aren't that very many of us that uh, stick around and have been going consistently since we started going to shows, which in my mind is awesome. It may not mean a lot to other people, but I think it's awesome. So talk to Billy about all that stuff. Life, Billy has done uh, these dance parties, which are awesome and have been very successful over the last few years. Let's talk to Billy about coming out as a trans woman recently. So we broke that all down, had a good conversation, and it was fun. And thanks to Billy for coming on the show. See you on the next one. Peace. Um, so yeah, welcome to the latest Nickel City soundtrack, our second recording of the week. Look at us getting grinding right now, we're putting out content. <laughs> Even though you're only going to hear this every Sunday, it's the second recording of the week. Yeah, we got to we got to stack these up so that we, uh, in case we have time off, we got to keep stacking these up. No seasons, our, no breaks. Getting our chips. So we we called we called. Um, we well, we interviewed Chris Gallus like on Monday, but um, I'm Mark. Chris, I'm Chris, as always. And, and I know we we called we called Chris kind of like a like a white whale, but I think Billy Page is kind of in the same like stratosphere because Billy Page has been around forever. Billy Page's got opinions on everything, and it's, it's great. <laughs> like, there's very few people who, you know, have been around and stayed around. And you're one of those right. people, which is awesome. No so, breaks, no seasons. Yeah, no like no. Uh, I'll take the summer off of hardcore, you know? <laughs> right, like I'm gonna disappear uh, for ten years and come back. None exactly. Always the nice way to call somebody old. It's, it's appreciated. <laughs> like, it's, it's, I have such appreciation for people who 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 stuck or who stick around, and I do a podcast with with three of them so <laughs> you know we gotta stick together so it's cool it's very cool yeah like glue like glue <laughs> so so let's let's real quick billy run down your resume for those who don't know okay um well the first band i ever played a show with was a band called final notice um which was like a hardcore metal band it was me and my friend chris who was the drummer uh, the other people were more like metalheads um, that we found who lived nearby. Uh, then after that, we did we did Half Mask, which um, kind of ended up... Actually, it's funny because then it, 
my friend Chris's brother was Tom Bukowski, who was in Baphomet and Carnal Dissection. And when mm-hmm. Half when uh, Final Notice broke up, he started jamming with us, and we started Half Mass with Nick Barron. And our first show was with Tom. And actually, I just got the Carnal Dissection discography CD in the mail today. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, and uh, around that same time, uh, Chris and I started Solid Ground with our friend Tony and my brother singing. And um, Half Mass went through a lot of changes in that time, and Chris ended up quitting eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually, I I ended up being out of the band. Like my last show with Half Mass was my first show with Lockjaw, which was the first band I sang for. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was Lockjaw, then there was Ceasefire with Sweeper. I'm not gonna go into too long a story. Sorry, I realized I was rambling about all those. There's all no good. Uh, no, fine. So, so it was Lockjaw, Ceasefire. I can't. I have. I'm totally blanking on all this now. Uh, I was in Satan's helpers. Yeah. Yes. I was in Satan's helpers for a little bit. Um, wrong depressed was a little bit more down the line. So we did mm-hmm. Kill Shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I then was wrong the oppressor after kill shot. Okay. And um, after wrong the oppressor broke up, I was in a band called it was called Nowhere Fast, and then Bitterness it changed its name, uh, which is a band I really like doing because it sounded different than mm. anything else I would ever intend to start. Uh, then the Red Badge, and then oh, wrong yeah, the, the Red Badge. I forgot about the Red Badge. Yeah. <laughs> The Red Badge, we didn't end up doing a lot, but it was a lot of fun. Like, it was a great bunch of people to be in a band with. Yeah, that was a... Who was in that band? It was, um... Ron Douglas. Yeah. Um, Wasn't Jesse Matt, Banker in that band? Yeah, Jesse Banker was in the band. Yeah. Why do I not know any of those Matt, names? <laughs> Matt Backless and Dave Jednet. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, Jesse was in, like, Herod and stuff. Okay. Yeah. And Ron was like, he was like the first, like, you know, like as far as like photographing models and, you know, when the internet age, I think, I feel like Ron was like the first mm. one that I knew of who was, who shot lots of models and stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's like, that's a, that's a crew there. I, I feel like you're yeah, like missing a... like bleed for me. You didn't just oh, yeah, was it, bleed I... for me. Yeah, I did do. I was in Bleed for Me for a couple years. I can't. That was uh, after Kill Shot. Yeah, that was between Kill Shot and um, Wrong the Oppressor. Wrong the Oppressor started while I was in Bleed for Me. I can't believe I forgot about that. You know, Bleed for Me like was a lot of fun, and I contributed some stuff musically, but that was more like Jay's band. Yeah. So sometimes I, I guess I kind of forgot about it because Jay was really like the driving force. Mm-hmm. of that whole thing but believe for me was i mean again that was a great group of people to be in a band with mm-hmm. it was great to be in a band with jay uh and joe chris gaieski played drums there we had mm-hmm. uh um guy played guitar uh i can't think of his last name this, this dude guy from lockport mm-hmm. but that was yeah again that was all a lot of fun too i can't believe that slipped my mind yeah. but probably the because fire. I, there was a couple of, the fire was wrong the oppressor we just changed oh. our name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it was it was essentially the same band. It, but at that time, 
our drummer, we lost Joe Kunze. We got a new drummer. Mm-hmm. And it felt like wrong. The oppressor was a bit, even though I really like that name, it was a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. So we were thinking, <laughs> let's simplify it a bit and try and call, you know, go with something shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't hate that name, but I do like wrong. The oppressor more. Yeah. Thus, you're wrong. The oppressor is a better name. Yeah. Thus the name came back yeah. when you guys came back. Yeah. <laughs> so there yeah. you go. There you go. So, um, yeah. What else is there? Is there anything else? Any other bands that you can think of, Chris? Since you know everything, uh, uh, I thought I saw you post recently something about like Pale or something like that. That was just one I'm not familiar oh. with. Yeah, that that was a band that never played live. That was just a project. Jay mm-hmm. Galvin wrote a couple songs and asked me to come in and do vocals on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought of the name Pale Day, uh, which is a reference to. For a song from an artist who's I don't want to get into because okay. he's not as cool as he was back then. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you can guess. Yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was just that. And uh, when I was starting the band camp, I wanted to put those songs up because we never did anything with them, and I really liked that. Mm-hmm. One of those songs got left, and we actually recorded four songs, and there's only three on Bandcamp because mm-hmm. one of the songs got changed around a bit, and is one of the songs on the new Slugfest seven inch that came out. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. It's very cool. Interesting. <laughs> so that's, a, that's my line. What you're Chris. saying here <laughs> is that a pale song was a reworked Slugfest song. I guess so. That Jay did all the music, so yeah. But yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I guess, right? Right, Chris? Yeah. No, yeah. So if it's a song that people haven't heard, that was like recorded what, like twenty five years ago or something, but nobody's ever really heard it. Yeah, rework it and use it in another band. Totally makes sense. Yeah, it makes yeah. It sounds sense. like he thought he was going to do anything with it. Yeah, at right. the time. Right. Yeah, totally. Like, who knew that? Like. The stars were going to align in a particular way for a new Slugfest seven inch, right? Yeah, it sounds know. better with Slugfest doing it. <laughs> right. I, I'll go and listen to it and be the judge of that. <laughs> there you go. So, so let's start how we've been starting of late. What is the record or song that you heard as a young person and was like, you know what? hardcore this is this is what i'm about this is where i'm going like this is what i'm going to spend a significant part of my life into whether you knew that in the moment or not Slapshot, sudden death overtime the whole album i was at a party i was a metalhead a skinhead showed up with sudden death overtime and i was just like hooked i went right to home with it that weekend and i bought it on cassette and a Slapshot t-shirt a week nice. later i went back to home of the hits and bet step on it on cassette and another Slapshot t-shirt. And about a month or two later, I went to my first show, which was the Goo Goo Dolls at the Sky Room. And Zero Tolerance and Trainwreck both played. And I was mm. like, this is awesome. And then when that... My friends from high school definitely were not friends with the best people. They were all falling into a more shady side of things. <laughs> and there was this skinhead who would show up at all their things. And um, who was actually more like more around our age mm-hmm. and um 
I asked him, I'm like, so have you heard Zero Toxic? Just like this young kid I know, and this is the guy who brought Slapshot. And, you know, I saw Zero Tolerance, and I was like, oh, this is all the same. And he's just like, yeah, those guys beat up one of my friends. Which really <laughs> makes a lot of sense to me now. <laughs> you know, I actually I know, know like, when it was, because uh, on the um, Derek Daniels episode, I don't know if you listened to it, but the Derek Daniels episode, he talked about a big fight between the ZT guys and the WP dudes at uh, Burger King, I think it was, McDonald's, whatever it was that was on Homewood. Oh. Yeah, I don't... I know any of the details. Like I'd only been to like one show at that point. Yeah, yeah. And and I was like, and I didn't know anything about that band Zero Tolerance. They didn't have anything for sale. Mm-hmm. I got a train wreck demo at that show. So I was just trying to find out like what's up with this band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And nobody could help me. <laughs> I, I didn't really have anything. To, like eventually Fuel the Fire was being sold at Home of the Hits. In that yeah. and at that time I was like going there like every weekend to spend whatever money I had. On nice. um, whatever I could get my hands on. Yeah. What year was that? 1990. Nice. Yeah. How, how, be, how old were you? <laughs> I was like 14. Wow. Yeah. So I'm super stoked that it was Slapshot that drew you into this path because I don't think anyone else would say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were the ones I really hooked on to because I can't remember if I. Because I was definitely in the metal then and watching the Headbangers Ball. Mm-hmm. And I probably saw su- Suicidal Tendencies and DRI at that point. Mm-hmm. But to me, they were just metal bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, By that I, point, they, 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 they were definitely more. Right, exactly. Because like the videos they had were How Could I Laugh Tomorrow mm-hmm. and then Beneath the Wheel, which were definitely their more metal songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I went, even though those were kind of like leaning towards the right direction, it was when I heard Slapshot. But even at that time, like I was, I at that point, I then started going to more metal shows. Mm-hmm. After that, like you know, I was listening to Slapshot. I got really into death metal because death metal was like I was going to the Sky Room, but the Sky Room shut down so shortly after that. And every death metal show I went to, there were hardcore bands playing. Like, I'd go see Baphomet and Snapcase was playing or Zero Tolerance yeah. was playing. And then, you know, the it just kind of evolved where the shows, like, I love just seeing bands live. And the shows that were happening were more hardcore shows I was getting in tune with. So I would just end up going to more of those. So it was kind of a, a slowish progression like that. I mean, some people would say that that Slapshot record was kind of metal. Uh, not, yeah, I not mean, it was to the degree of like ZT, but like in in the range of Judge. Yeah, I'd agree. I All mean, right. definitely not compared to how metal some things got, but no, definitely not. Like it wasn't like there were <laughs> no. Slayer riffs or anything. Yeah, kind of record like Sudden Death Overtime is so great. A few questionable lyrics, but such a great record. Yeah. I've never been you a Slapshot fan. I was going to say, you don't fuck with Slapshot, do you? Not at all. I yeah. think because I, 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 <laughs> I have a hate for Boston. Something has to be very special <laughs> from Boston for me to like it. So, I mean, I dare say Slapshot is that special thing. Uh, know, others for, may argue have heart, but they're wrong. I, I would say like blood for blood as far as Boston bands. Oh. But Blood for Blood is just ripping off Slapshot and Sheer Terror and just like yeah, melding them yeah. into one band. 
but it speaks to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you should revisit some Slapshot. I think that you should just revisit the first three records back on the map, step on it, and uh, Sudden Death Overtime. Okay. Because uh, I think that those records speak to you as well. There I are some may, questionable, I questionable lyrics off. on uh, Sudden Death Overtime. When you say questionable, but, you what, know, are you, what are you saying? In what kind of way? Uh, there's some weird, like... Uh, help me out here, Billy. There's some weird, well, like... Like, I'm never... Because I don't know all the lyrics that he's saying clearly, but I feel because of the time period and the band, Say Goodbye is probably not... Yeah, yes. That's, that's actually... I right couldn't remember the name, but that's definitely what I'm, yeah. what I'm thinking of. Which sucks because it's such a good song. Such a good song. With know, like, I'll have to check it out. Know all the lyrics clearly. Yeah, I will know them by tomorrow. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 definitely like 1990 hetero hockey watcher lyrics. Okay, fair enough. If you know it, if you if you know what I mean, I'm from catch- Boston. If you I'm know catching I mean. a drift. <laughs> yeah, picking up what yeah. you're laying down. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to assume from what I know about uh, Choke's life through the times, I'm I'm willing to guess his attitude about things has changed. Yeah, I mean, I would say that but... I would because I follow like his like or his Instagram and stuff. He's not very active now, but mm-hmm. it seemed that once Trump went into office, he did a 180. Um, and yeah. I know, and I know he used to just he he's like an original troll. He would just say things to get a rise out of people, mm-hmm. whether he right. necessarily believed it or not. But I remember yeah. he was like saying and posting kind of questionable stuff right up until Trump got elected. And then he like stopped with that. And he was like, some people may be upset by this, but I like the side of righteousness. And I was like, Whoa, is this choke? Like what the hell is going on here? <laughs> like, Nice. You're, yeah. you're you're using your rapier wit to slash the people you used to pander to. Like this is great. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, it was as wild. So you're saying Choke was acting a little rightish, but he was actually leftish. I think so. I think he just, like I said, he's like an original troll. He's of that. Yeah. First generation that would rather get a rise out of you than have a real conversation with you for the most part. And for a long time, he didn't like hardcore and hardcore kids, but he understood the slap shot made him money. Was there a, was there like an anti New York thing with choke? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, cause yes. I went, I saw, I saw a slap shot, I think 1995 ish and they played at Coney or is it 96? So she played, they played Coney Island high with like killing time. And he just he was talking about how he burned a lot of bridges in New York before they played that show, and he was kind of like just talking about, I guess, the rift between him and New York, him and uh, and New York. I guess I don't know. Well, you know, you know that like Boston and New York, first generation wise, had big beef. Yeah, back, like first generation hardcore. Mm-hmm. Choke kind of ran with that a bit, but again, I think it was part of the shtick more than being serious. Mm-hmm. But then there was also a bold use of today incident oh, that yeah. people took very personally at the time. So that kind of fueled the fueled the fire on his end. 
But then also, like late 80s, early 90s, everybody was obsessed with what was going on with New York. And you had like New Jersey and upstate bands calling themselves New York hardcore. And that just like really rubbed him a particular way. So he was always like, fuck New York. And he wrote a song, fuck New York. And, Great. You know, you Which can see the hysterical. YouTube video of how that turned out many years later. Yeah. It's too bad more people didn't have a sense of humor about it. It's, it's like really yeah. such a dumb song. I don't know how such like a dumb song. <laughs> but I think it's meant to be. You know, it's like you said, he's trying to get a rise out of people. He's not trying yeah. to make a serious song. He just he got a rise out of the wrong people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like tried and true New York people. <laughs> yeah, that's a good like way that. to put it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Fair enough. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's... <clears throat> Yeah. All right. But yeah, Slapshot. Slapshot. That's so good. Dude, Slapshot, Slapshot and Buffalo go together like peanut butter and jelly. Like you don't understand. We could we could do a whole Slapshot episode and probably bring on everyone over 45 and they would just like tell stories. <laughs> yeah. Let's put a pin that in that and like get, let's, let's, get choke, let's get choke on here. Let's put a pin in that and see if we can get choke I mean, on here to talk about Mark McKay. Mark McKay and Red Hank both said that they would do it and they were around at that time. All right. Uh, Rev Hank was their like roadie and mm -hmm. Mark, you know, drummer. Okay. Uh, I don't know if Choke actually does podcasts. We'll make him do it. <laughs> we've had we've had a few people who don't do podcasts do this podcast. So it's fair. It's fair. We got the magic. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to Billy. Enough choke. <laughs> Enough choke. <laughs> So, so Billy, you've been around for a long time, and you've seen Buffalo at its highs and lows, the peaks and valleys of Buffalo hardcore. Where do you think Buffalo is at right now? I think it's on its way to a high. Um, I mean, it's kind of too soon to judge because things are really – Things are really happening and everybody's excited. The younger scene's excited. But I feel like I saw the same thing happening about 10 years ago. And then mm -hmm. it just kind of crashed. Like the bands broke up, people moved away. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully, if everybody who's doing bands and shows, like I'm talking about, especially the younger scene, sticks with mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. I think it could be up for a good high again. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, like, I don't. I, I don't want to compare time periods, but we'll just talk at like a number of people at a show wise. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to get back to like what it was like in the late nineties, early two thousands, mm -hmm. but that's okay. I think like, if you just have the rooms you have and they're filled enough and everybody's having fun and yeah, good bands, which we've got some fucking great bands right yes, now. Definitely. Uh, I... And they're all, they're all putting out records. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're and they're hit and they're hitting the road more than the bands used to, like yeah. ten, the bands from ten years ago. Like we had, I think Mal Justin was on the road the most. They put out their full length. Will quit, who was like their main songwriter by that point, mm -hmm. and then they seemed to kind of just fall apart. Like we had out of town people in the band, and then they broke up, which was a shame. And, Are you talking about um, malfunction? Sorry. Yeah, malfunction. Yeah, that's okay. what I, I thought too. Sure but I was like, yeah, I'm gonna let you go with it. <laughs> oh, sorry um i from my i hate saying outsider perspective but from my perspective of not having lived in buffalo in a really long time 
I do think that Buffalo is definitely on an up. But I also think that the bands that are in Buffalo right now are better than the bands 10 years ago for the most part. Yeah. I I think so too. Um, definitely. Because I, I, you know, but a lot of the, the I don't want to say kids because they're not kids, but the people doing the bands now, some of them were in those bands 10 years ago. Some of that, mm-hmm. you know, they were all around at least at the shows. So mm-hmm. they probably witnessed like, you know, maybe this is where we can't go wrong and what yeah. we have to do differently. Yeah. Like um uh fucking Donnie who's in Final Declaration in Space. Yeah. He was in a band back then. They only did a demo. There was I can't believe I can't think of the name of the band because the brain demo wreck? was killer. Is it brain? Yeah, wreck? brain wreck. Yeah, I think it was brain wreck. There was like, yeah. like at that time, there was like brain wreck and mental wreck, but his was brain wreck, and it was so good. And they did like <laughs> a demo, played a couple shows, and broke up. Like again, yeah. people quit. They yeah. just lost it, and um, so I think things like that, lessons are learned, and they figure out mm-hmm. what's working and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I. Personally, again, from my across the state view, like Buffalo is a really exciting place right now. Definitely, yeah. I mean, even though I, I'm not the biggest fan of that, where they have the the, the uh, place where they have shows, I thought like it was people were dancing, the room was pretty full. I thought it was it, it was a fun time. So, and it's been yeah. that way the last couple of shows, so that's cool. It definitely feels good here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And whatever they're doing, there's I see different faces at shows all the time. That too, yeah. There's oh, yeah, great. yeah, there are there are that's some really there are good, definitely yeah. different faces. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, no, that's great. And it seems that there's a few different people doing shows who are bringing different genres of bands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so like it's it's getting Buffalo's getting like kind of a full Monty of everything too. The full that, Monty, yeah, huh? that helps a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. Agreed. So, so uh, this might be a little bit of a weird or hard question for you, but what's what's one of the favorite shows you went to that you didn't play? That's tough. Been to a <laughs> lot of fun shows. No, I just a couple that really stand out. Probably, you know. Some of the more most fun shows are probably earlier on when I went to shows because it was all like newer to me. And I remember going to this there for a very short time there were shows at this like real shithole bar called the Lucky Horseshoe. I think it was on Genesee Street. And the Grind Crusher tour came there. It was Napalm Death when they were touring Harmony Corruption, Godflesh touring Street Cleaner. Wow. And Nocturnus touring the key and Immortal Terror opened the show. And it was just insane. It was packed so tight. It was just like a sweaty, disgusting mess in there. <laughs> and it was such a good show. Nice. That was really funny. Was I thought uh, one of the things that stood out to me was I think because Godflesh was so different, even though they were becoming a bigger earache band, mm-hmm. I, I, I had a feeling they weren't getting received super well on that tour. Cause I just saw like not, not Justin Broderick, but one of their guitar players, uh, the other guitar player on the side, I was like, Oh, great show. And he seemed so stoked that somebody thought they were good. <laughs> Even though awesome. They had a good reaction in Buffalo. <laughs> <coughs> nice. <Aww. laughs> but cause of their sound, I wouldn't be surprised if every show wasn't like that. Yeah. Right. I'm sure there's some cities that were just like, Ugh. 
yeah. what in the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> People who, but, like, two years later were just like, God, Flesh is amazing. Yeah. Right. That's how that shit goes. <laughs> yeah, but Buffalo is always, like, heavy regardless of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> what is that? Are there other shows that you that stick out to you? Um, I don't know. Like, there's a. I mean, there's obviously been a lot of great hardcore shows, but to some degree, it's like a blur because there's years where it's like you're seeing the same bands like yeah. multiple times, and they're mm-hmm. always awesome. Like, there was that time period where it was like always like Slugfest and or support and Cinderblock and Against All Hope. And those mm-hmm. bands would all be mixed matched or on some show, and every time was just like so much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about in recent times? Like in the last um, like ten years? Give me a fun show. Last ten years? Yeah. Uh I mean, this probably won't be a big surprise, but when Ignite played Mohawk Place yes. a couple of years ago, that was a yeah. That was pretty cool. That's when, well, so yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess I haven't seen him without Zoli, but he he's not in the band anymore, and it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of thing now. So, does he have his own band now? Like, the, the Zoli band or something? So, I will say, I don't know if Zoli has uh, a band or not. I, I feel like he's got something. Yeah. But um, the new singer works out great. Like, it might be a little Sorry, different, but he... That. Okay. No worries. Just talking about Ignite. Okay, yeah. But um Mark, you were at that Mohawk Ignite show, right? I was, yes. So I don't know if you could tell, but the way they were being at that in the Toronto show, mm. I was like, This is their last tour. They're done. Oh really? Like th- I thought they were amazing, but the way they were acting and just the way the whole thing was, I kind of felt like they were getting ready to call it quits. They didn't. Oh Zol- I think they knew I think they knew Z- Zoli was about to quit. You might have told him before that. Yeah. Mm. Isn't that I, the, like, I feel like he's quit a few times. Like, that wasn't the first time. I don't, I don't, maybe. I mean, I know they kind of have a lot of lulls between albums and yeah. stuff. But that, that's great. That, sorry, go on. <laughs> no. I mean, as great of a singer as he is, you can see an uptick in, pro- in what they're doing now without him. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to with him. That yeah. guy also, that guy works really well. Like, while I don't necessarily enjoy the record they put out with him because I haven't enjoyed an Ignite record in a really long time. Mm-hmm. It, live, it works. Like, it totally works. Yeah. Have you listened to the Zoli band? The new one? <laughs> Whatever he's got going on. Like, yeah. he's, it's very he rock and rollish. <laughs> yeah, that new band is not good. Like, I really want, like, I try to keep an open mind. I like lots of different music. Yeah. But it's, it's bad. It's <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> sorry, Zoli. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I, I want to like it, but I just, I can't. I, don't know, I, I didn't can't like even that last, the whole album. I didn't like the last record he did with them. I thought it was like too polished and almost like hair metal. Oh, really? No, I get that. I didn't like it the first time I listened to it either. That's one of the reasons I was a little skeptical mm-hmm. about those last couple times I saw them. But, you know, around that time, I was like, I'm going to go to the shows. It's been a while. I started listening to that record again, and I mm-hmm. liked it more coming back to it. But when mm-hmm. I first heard that last record they did with him, I didn't like it either. There are a couple of good I, so, songs. 
Have you listened to the? They did do a new record with a new guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think. So. Did you have you listened to it? Oh wait, they just have the one record with the new guy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You mean, like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I forget yeah, what it's, it's like, called. It's called Ignite. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> it's just a subtitle. Like, oh. Of course it is. How is no, it? I, I haven't listened it's, to it. It was. It was my. It's my favorite hardcore record from last year. I nice. love it. Nice. Like, to, it's just, I don't know if I listened to it. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to have to visit it and see. I, I haven't seen Ignite since Past Our Means. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not going to bring back the feelings of that, but it's definitely more exciting yeah. than their last couple records with Zoli. Yeah. So I yeah. really like A Place Called Home. That's my favorite Ignite record. What is it? I like that one a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, before that, I didn't really care, as we've talked about in the past. When A Place Called Home, I was like, oh, okay, this is, this I get. Like, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah, was that on TBT Records? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. What I remember, yeah, old TBT. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I love hardcore, but I hate the scene. So good. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've heard that song. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, but I said that to you once, Billy, about how much I liked that line, and you were like, "Oh, that's funny," because I hate hardcore and love the scene. <laughs> I was like, All right. <laughs> Nice. Nice. I, I might have been uh, feeling I mean well I mean regardless of still going to shows all the time there are times where you get a little like even me and I like I said I like lots of bands lots of music but there's sometimes where what, there are definitely points where what was coming out was not very exciting yeah yeah definitely yeah but we so still still of that, <laughs> like what do you think of the current direction for lack of a better term, mainstream hardcore, or I don't, I don't know what the other podcasts call it, but like Procore? mainstream of hardcore is that, see, but I don't consider like pain of truth, a Procore bands. If yeah. I understand their definition of Procore, but I do consider them like a, like mainstream hardcore band, like, you know, like band that most hardcore kids, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I know what you're saying. I guess that's not Procore, but I understand what you're saying by mainstream hardcore. Yeah. What do you think, Billy? Yeah. I mean, I like if you count turnstile in that, I really like turnstile a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this raises the question do you consider turnstile a hardcore band? Yes. Okay. I might need you to expand <laughs> on that a bit. <laughs> I mean, Just, I've justify been... your answer. Okay. I'm not trying to say this, like, but I. I like that band from like the first seven inch I thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. Cause I tell people this, I'm like, when I heard that seven inch, I was like, this is so good. I cannot imagine anybody ever caring about this. Like it doesn't sound <laughs> anything like they sound now, but I really, to me, it sounded like something that people aren't going to like. It sounded like a nineties hardcore band. And yeah, but they just mm-hmm. kept going. And every release they did was a little different. The yeah. most non hardcore release by a traditional hardcore sound is their newest record. Yeah, but everything else is pretty much, even though they go to somewhat different directions, are pretty grounded in hardcore. Yeah. So, I I'd still consider them a hardcore band at this point. Okay. I got opinions about Turnstile. We, I mean, our opinions have been <laughs> spewed continuously. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It might have changed, but I I think. Oh, like, well, I, let's hear your changed opinion. I don't know if it's, I don't know what I said before, so <laughs> it might not be changed. But <laughs> well, like, let's see. Well. I mean, Turnstile. I don't think I don't think they're a hardcore band. But if someone says they're a hardcore band, I 
I, I wouldn't argue with him. Like that, I don't I think it's an arguable point. Yeah, I was gonna say there's no wrong answer. It's just a matter of opinion. Yeah, it's it's fine. If someone says they're harder band, that's fine. That that's that's cool. Yeah, you know, I can see why somebody, especially by the last album, I get why people would think they're not. Yeah, but I feel, but I haven't seen anything about them to show like there was any dishonest change in direction. Yeah, like, everything oh, no, they've they, been pretty natural and. Yeah, I've said from from jump that they've gotten to where they have in a gradual evolution. There was no sudden change or like jerky reaction to something popular. Like they're they're the popular that people are making jerky reactions to be like. Yeah, that's there that's the yeah. thing with them. Like they're they're the real deal and there's gonna be a bunch of fakers who are gonna try to be them and then they're just not going to be. Like they're yeah. they're no. tried they're tr- tried and true, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's fair and I, I support that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those guys deserve all their, their accolades, I think. You know, it's, it's all a good. long way in come a long way in two years. I'm usually a hater <laughs> as far as I think, but those guys all love to those guys. But the people behind them, I, I can't say the same thing about. <laughs> All good. I don't know what there. that means, but okay. So, like any band <laughs> who decided that they're gonna change their sound to be to get more popular after Turnstile, like fuck all those bands, every single one of them. Back to Billy. <laughs> okay, <go on. laughs> back to Billy. Ah. <laughs> uh... Yeah, so you have seen some interesting things happen in Buffalo Hardcore. Are there any that stand out besides Tool opening for Zero Tolerance? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if I I thought about it long enough, I could probably think of some real interesting things. But again, everything's just been like such a... Uh, it's it's been a cool fun ride um i feel like it's just i can't think of anything in particular really i mean i guess one thing that stands out was when uh and you know what this is one thing that really stands out and it's probably really important now to remind people of is when buffalo hardcore decided to not take the nazi shit anymore Mm -hmm. um and just deal with them because I came in at a time where everybody was still being cool with them because it was like, like I think Galvin put it best. It's like, you know, we were all just going to shows. Everybody just kind of left things alone. There were incidents sometimes, but nothing really. And, and um, you know, it let them grow and get kind of more full of themselves. Like they could do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have the potential for problems. Mm-hmm. And eventually people were just like, fuck this you know and then that's yeah. when it builds up to something like where we almost had a problem at that integrity show in rochester yes i mean yeah i know i know that was rochester but a lot of buffalo is there mm-hmm. a yeah. lot of buffalo is there yeah and um and you know when uh people stopped doing that they they started hiding themselves like some of them would still come to shows but they wouldn't like <laughs> And they the wouldn't fly any flags. Yeah. Right. And yeah. um I I think about that a lot with everything that's just going on in the world in general now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. about how like we did try to play nice with them, and that's where it got us in a smaller kind of way than 
And that's why that I always think of that as examples why you can't play nice with those types. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also think that to a degree it was a little bit of playing nice, but it was also a little bit of there was a fair number of those guys and they were all together. And while they were outnumbered by the show, they weren't necessarily outnumbered by any particular group. And some of those people on that side were like military or state wrestling champions or, you know what I'm saying? They weren't like, yeah, they, they were, some of them were kind of reasonably scary guys and, and not many people were really willing to put themselves at risk like that. It was easier to get along than like get fucked up. Right. The punk kids. No, you're right. the, like, punk, the punk kids didn't play that, and they got fucked up. Mm-hmm. And you like, know, like one of the did. one who the one who got me in the slap shot, not even a year later, at his show, threatened to break my legs so I wouldn't boo a band. <sighs> so <laughs> he's um, one, and and you know, as much as he might suck, ideally, I he's one who never went undercover though. He'd still show up at shows just. He stood out. You knew who he I, was. I think I only saw that dude at like two or three shows, and he was always fucking with Titus. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's my crew. That man's my crew. <laughs> I, I, saw him, I saw him a few weeks ago. With, he was at the Bad Blood show. Yeah, he was. I, was, I, I actually was... Uh, yeah, I ended up hanging out with him a lot of that show. I hadn't seen him in a long time. Yeah. That's it's great. Always, How's he yes. doing? He's doing good. He's doing really good. Yeah. He uh, trains kids with weightlifting. He's still doing that. Yeah. It's it's actually really funny because there, especially if you know Titus, I don't know if you'd find this as funny, Chris, but you probably would, Mark. Yeah. His weight because Titus is not online. Yeah. He doesn't not have at social all. media or anything. And the way we would find that funny from knowing Titus, so does his weightlifting team, and they do <laughs> run. They do run. Uh, uh, so an uh, Instagram for his weightlifting team. Yeah, I think I've seen and that. And every every post they hashtag Steve Titus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, awesome. that's great. That's awesome. And every time I see one, I always look to see if I can find him in the background. Yeah, and every right, once in a while, you'll find me staring at still. Because I'll say he's so good. Like he's so good, he's not even in those pictures. <laughs> once in a while, he slip up and he ends up in one, and I make yeah. sure everybody I know knows. <laughs> So good. The defender oh, of Titus. truth. Steve Titus. Yeah. Defender of truth. There's a there's a, a old scarhead picture that's been making the, the rounds and like Titus is right there front and center. That nice. that, that checks. Nice. Worst worst taste in music. <laughs> <laughs> Titus. <laughs> yeah, he was oh, he was playbox with my son at that show. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> what did your son think of that show? That was interesting. <laughs> he was kind of behind the, the band when they were playing, so because mm-hmm. it was got a little rowdy when Bad Blood was playing, but he thought it was yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was. He thought it was. He thought it was cool. He liked. He liked the energy. <laughs> he liked everyone doing all their things, so he thought that was cool. <laughs> Billy, have you taken any of your kids to a show? Uh they. They came to a show I played a couple of years okay. ago. My youngest was way too young. I'm going to remember it. Okay. But none of them are really 
none of them are into it. They're not into hardcore or aggressive music at all. Yeah. Um, who knows? It might change. I mean, but uh, some would argue you're raising them right. <laughs> <laughs> Guess that could be that could be that could be argued, right? <laughs> I mean, to touch back on uh, Slapshot, I guess like somebody asked Choke, like, "Oh, are your kids into hardcore?" And he's like, "No, thank God. That means I'm raising them right." <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. Hardcore rules. <laughs> Best thing ever. But anyway. Best thing ever. It is. But my oldest does like turnstile. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I was going to say, turnstile is very family friendly, very inclusive. Yeah. Uh, and, and they know, like, they know what they are. I mean, like, they have those shirts that say, like, what is it? Like, thank you for seeing me or something like that. Yeah. You know, and like other things, like, they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about their Grammy fashion choices, but beyond that, they know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting choices they had there. <laughs> There's got to be a hardcore kid stylist person, right? Someone who's in the scene as a stylist. <laughs> there are. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't tap them. <laughs> or if they did, like they need to reconsider what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got it. I mean, we're everywhere. Hardcore kids are in every walk of life, you know. So everywhere. That's why it's everywhere. cool. That's one of the reasons why it's cool. There's always like someone who does something in in the core and is into the core. So, so speaking of that, uh, uh, how do I word this question? Um, what lessons did you learn in hardcore that you've taken into your like daily life? that makes sense yeah no uh mostly to kind of like look out and help people not not you know like in what people are doing and to uh like things that bring people you know that they're passionate about and they're happy about to kind of help in whatever you can do in a small way to like support them doing it um i like we we always carry, even though he's not as much into hardcore, we've always been to some bands. The guy I DJ with, Jason Traper, mm -hmm. he was in some punk bands. He came to hardcore shows. When we started doing dance parties, we carried that attitude of that into that. You know, when when there were other dance parties happening, like what we were doing, we were showing up to them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even to this day, like with social media, I'll share what other people are doing in that scene as well, as much as I will with hardcore shows. Mm -hmm. And that's all stuff that I gained from hardcore shows. It was like the ideas of what we did then and still do now. Mm -hmm. Chris, are you there? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I don't know if I froze or something, but I was taking a drink of water. <laughs> I felt that I was parched there for a moment and it got awkwardly <laughs> silent. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! So, so how old were you when you were writing for? Uh, was that what magazine were you, did you write for? Way Late at night. In, yeah, like I remember seeing your column in that magazine before I ever met you. Yeah, that I was about probably sixteen and seventeen when I was doing that. Yeah, because at, it's funny because the guy who was running it. His name was his real name was Bill Gurgle, but he was better known as Angst from the band Rule. Oh, and, um, Buffalo's the most real intense rulers. band, Rule. 
Yeah, and I would I really liked him, and I go see him all the time. So we became friends, and yeah. he asked me if I wanted to write for the magazine, yeah. and I was like, sure. And like, like the first day he asked me that, he like gave me two albums that they got to review that weren't out yet, and it was Biohazard, Urban Discipline, mm-hmm. and the second only the Strong Comp on Victory. No. And I was just like, oh, this is the best thing. Yeah, and I got that's the two great. song, I got the two song ZT demo of uh to review for it also that was never wow. like really released so yeah. i was i was pretty like oh this is awesome and i'd get into some not like not like regular hardcore shows but i'd get into a couple of bigger shows for free mm-hmm. um because they'd put me on a list to write a review of the show like i saw quicksand and helmet at the armory for free because of that mm-hmm. and wow. uh snap um snapcase sacred reich and mal havoc was at the canadian band yeah, they I love Mal Havoc. I, ha- I own yeah. a Mal Havoc CD. Really? Yeah, yes, I do. And uh, they they played Blind Melons, and I got into there for free to write a review. To write a review. Wow. Of it. So I, it didn't so, really last very long, but it was it was fun. Yeah, very cool. I don't really remember the magazine, but I definitely remember Rule. What ended up happening with Rule? Like where I remember, like I remember that they always played Blind Melon. <laughs> and Blind Melon had that weird thing where they would have a show, then they would have like an after show. Yeah, I was about was to playing. say that. <laughs> so the big joke was that everyone opened for rule, like came up to yeah, I'm open for rule. Like so yeah. all open for rule. Like whatever yeah. happened yeah. with rule. They eventually, you know, they, they just did demos and broke up. Uh they like Bill moved to Florida and him and somebody from one of the other like kind of bigger Buffalo metal bands moved out there too. And they started a band called pimp slap the atmosphere. Oh, they played, they played Kenzie's. Yeah. Yeah. We played with them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Whenever they'd come to Buffalo, they'd ask me for like lockjaw to play with them. Wow. uh, (laughs) More just because we all knew each other. Yeah. Yeah. But you, then you did. They were friends of mine. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) And the, uh, well, the first time they came around, they brought this band, Guardy Lou. I remember were, that, too. <laughs> yeah, and the videos. And I remember <laughs> I remember Keith Buckley running away from the stage, right, looking like he was going to be sick because of what he was seeing on those TVs that they were playing. <laughs> oh, fuck, I was at that show. <laughs> oh, were you there? Yeah. Fuck, I think so. I mean, I don't I play hearing about I am, this. I am not making fun of that because it was pretty gross. I don't blame them at all. You know, I mean, people's people's thing, that's their thing. But like, yeah, I seem to recall thinking like, like, what the fuck is going on here? What the hell is a pimp slap the atmosphere? Why are there people shitting on a TV at a fucking show? Like, what is what is going on here? (laughs) Did Nail also play that? Nail probably played with that show. Yeah, that's why I would have been there. I think yeah. so if that is that's the show where you and I got fully naked and <laughs> that makes sense. What was that dude's name? The dude from Mother Birth who passed away. Um John. John John, whatever his last name Draganovich. was. Draganovich. Yeah, I did a body fold right in front of him and I got too close and felt his nose going to crack. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's amazing. <laughs> a lot of things happened at that show. A lot of things that, you know, probably shouldn't be talked about, but here we are. A lot of things happened <laughs> at that show. That's hilarious. That's that's awesome. also, that would also be the time when supposedly Sweeper saw flappers hitting each other. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Which so. I don't remember at all, but he seems to vividly remember it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Nice. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> I I I don't remember when the first time was we took our clothes off for nail. I don't remember what instigated it, but we yeah. always did it. And I think it started at a show they played at ECC. Even though it wasn't a terrible right. show. It was kind of, a, I think it was just because it was kind of a weird show and it was kind of yeah. uncomfortable there anyhow. So we were, I guess we were like, without directly saying it, let's make this more uncomfortable. Right. It was just like, like, a thing, like here we go. <laughs> we made it super uncomfortable, but then we Amazing. kept doing it. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you know this, but, uh, the drummer Scott hated it. <laughs> that makes sense. Like, that totally checks he out. He hated it. I and I feel like at first Bo was amused, but after a while, Bo was just like, "All right, guys, like <laughs> we're, we're we're good." <laughs> I don't know if Derek had an opinion, and Thomas thought it was funny every time. Yeah, well, but I know that Scott well, hated it. I'd huh. say Scott was the most normal person in the band, and Bo absolutely being was. Second, so that makes yeah. sense. I mean, they were all very talented. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know, I don't know, Mark, if you ever saw a nail, but Bove, Bove, the bass player, used all ten fingers when he played. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember one time saying, like, dude, you don't like move around or anything. He's like, watch what I'm doing. I don't need to move around. And I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, I can yeah, hear yeah. him saying that. Right, right, and uh, Scott, the drummer was playing on like the smallest kid I ever saw, but the shit he was doing with it was like crazy. Like I feel like he had one Tom. I could be wrong on that, but I just remember his kid being really small and him getting like crazy shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> didn't you do a tape label for a minute? Didn't you put out a nail demo? I tried to, it just didn't work out. Like I had everything done, but like the tapes I bought, were too short for the two songs. Like they gave me two songs. So I was like, this should work. And it ended up being Is that I mean, it? This is did... it. This is it. Did I put that one out? Maybe yeah. I did. It looks like now I for some reason I thought I didn't. And there's yeah. no case and no slip. Like it was just just a tape. Maybe I, I there was supposed to be a slip. If it maybe I gave you one that was supposed to come out. Maybe something happened with doing the covers. Oh, maybe it didn't. It didn't work out. My my aspirations to ever do a label. That was um, it. Yeah, that kind of got. I throw around the idea, and I'm like, I just don't have what it takes to get that stuff <laughs> together. It's it's also for obviously you know that I love nail. You love nail. Uh, those two songs were not that good. I I like those songs. They weren't they weren't as good as the demo they did before that. No, that tape was that tape was crazy. Like that, yeah. Like a friend of theirs put that tape out 
uh, like paid for it. It was super slick, but he was mm-hmm. charging like $11 for it. Yeah. Or 10 or $11 and nobody was really buying it. I don't have one because I didn't have $10 to spend on a tape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, what were you going to say? I, I have one, but I think at that time it didn't, like you're right, it was because they weren't really a known band, but mm-hmm. I liked them enough, and it was basically had enough songs to be a full length, and full length much was. at that time were like were ten dollars, so it kind of no. I, I I understand why that guy was selling them for like ten or eleven dollars or whatever it was. Yeah, like I don't know how much at the time a tape cost to make, but I think that he was. I think he did them a disservice by charging that much for the tapes. If he could have gotten away with six or seven, what are we looking at here? Middle of the picture. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. This is. But where am I? Or did you do it without no, me? No, this is during Torn Apart in Erie, Pennsylvania. Oh, oh yeah, yeah I, I remember that. that. Yes. No, I definitely did it a couple more times without you. I didn't realize that picture existed from that. I think the last time I ever got naked for a band, it got caught on video. Nice. It was orgy of destruction. Bleed for, we played with them in a basement on Windspear with Bleed for Me. And I just came jumping out from behind their, their drum set, naked into the crowd. And like a couple years later, they put out a home video and that show was on it. And I totally forgot. And I'm watching it and there's my bare ass just flying across the screen. <laughs> it's so good. So good. That like, Somebody needs to bring that shit back. You can do it, Chris. It's not, it's not going to be me. It's not going to be me. <laughs> Nobody needs to see that. <laughs> Says who? <laughs> Nobody needs to see that. Mm-hmm. Oh, the naked, the naked nail mosh. <laughs> uh, but as I was saying before, you put that picture up. I feel like he did them a disservice by selling that tape for that much because I don't, I don't know how many people bought it, but that tape, they could have done things with that tape, and I don't think he even gave them any tapes to send to labels. I think he was making them buy the tapes from him too. Hmm. So they never oh, really yeah. like did anything with it. Like he was trying to be like kind of pro about it. And I remember where I like because you know Nail played those weird barcore shows, yeah, right. And and uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll sell the I'll sell the tapes. And I was going around the crowd trying to sell the tapes. A dude was following me to make sure I was selling the tapes. Really? Yeah, it was a weird like it was a weird thing because Nail Nail didn't have many hardcore friends. Their their friends and supporters were like people that they grew up with mm-hmm. and they didn't really get hardcore. And I don't know that everyone in Nail necessarily got hardcore either. Mm-hmm. Uh like Nail yeah. was like to me I mean Tell me, I, I want to hear your opinion on this, Billy, but like Nail to me was a band that was caught between two worlds and neither world really cared about them because they didn't know which way to go. Right, because that was a time that was the time of Biohazard. You know, all mm-hmm. the metal right. heads were starting to sound a certain way and um, Nail, Nail kind of fell into that, even though they weren't sounding like Biohazard. 
they were kind no, of cut they, from that same cloth, you know. They they appealed to the biohazard fan, and they were before VOD, but they were doing a very much VOD thing. Yeah, and they weren't really involved enough in the scene. Like they definitely no. liked hardcore. Like I know Derek and Thomas liked hardcore, but they definitely weren't like going to shows the way the rest of us were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but there also- were some stigmas where. Go ahead, say what you're going to say. There are some stigmas where people thought they had Nazi connections because, yes. like, which they they definitely were not, but I understand where they came from because we all grew up in the same neighborhood. There, yeah. When I said my friends were getting involved with the shady crowd, that was their friends too. You know, like yeah. Derek and I went to, this, went to high school together. Um, mm-hmm. Our friends were the same. Like, I... I know where that all came from. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's unfortunate, but none of that really helped things either. Yeah, they were definitely, like I said, they were caught between multiple worlds and and didn't get to, to enjoy the glories of any of them. Uh, no. Yeah, it's a shame. Like, Nail is definitely one of those bands that just kind of fell through the cracks that, like, nobody talks about anymore. Yeah. I, I I don't know how many how much people talked about them then, in a positive way. <laughs> <laughs> there was a brief period where it looked like things were going to start turning around, but then they were didn't. they were on a rise, but then they split. Like they split yeah. up. Like Thomas quit. Uh, like they actually were booked on a couple of hardcore shows, but Thomas quit. Mm-hmm. That the same Thomas who was in Motherbirth. Yes. Yes. So he quit Nail for Mother Birth because, from from my perspective, and one day we'll have Thomas on and he can discuss it. Mm. But Thomas wanted to be more engaged with the hardcore scene, and the rest of the band wanted to explore other things. Okay. Um, and I really like that that tape that you had a hand in Billy. To me, that tape was a little more new metalish than the other stuff they did. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that's the direction necessarily they wanted to go, but like the three of them and Thomas were not on the same page. Yeah. Um, and Mother Birth was who Thomas wanted Mother Birth. I'm sorry. Mother Birth wanted Thomas from the start. That's who they wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, they, and they had to run through a couple of people before they got there. Mm-hmm. And then that didn't last very long. No. No, it that didn't. Like and then he did that band. Then... Uh, didn't they do a CD? Oh, no, they did the CD with somebody else. Yeah, no, but re- Thomas was in a band with, I believe, Nick Gonzalez called Spitfire and the Rebel Yell. Dalvin was in that, too. Oh, was Galvin in that too? Okay, I think I think he was that, the that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's a whole like a whole stint of bands that Galvin was in that nobody knows about because it was like like the bar core scene. Yeah, it was, I remember one time going to see. I forgot why there was this like bar over here in Chitawaga that I I don't know why I ended up there, but. Galvin kind of like came up behind me and like, hey, what are you doing here? Because he was playing in some jam band that was playing there that <laughs> night. 
And that was before I really knew Jay well, but he recognized me right away from always going to see Slugfest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was like um, Yellow Number Five, uh, Spitfire and the Rebel Yell. Uh, I feel like the early iteration of Bleed for Me played those shows. Maybe, yeah. Bleed for Me, Bleed for Me was kind of like Jay reintegrating back into the hardcore scene. Mm-hmm. And Bleed for Me is awesome. I love Bleed for Me. I love everything. Bleed yeah, me too. Done. Like. Bleed for me is another one of those things that people don't talk about and should. Because it was so, like, creative and next level for Buffalo. Mm -hmm. At that time. Yeah. It it was a band that was a little too... A little too soon for its time. Because, Mm -hmm. like, when they were near their... Like, long after I was out of the band, I remember one of the guitar players from Bitterness being like, why isn't this band huge? <laughs> yeah. Like that wasn't even like his thing. Like he he's more of a punk guy. He wasn't like in yeah. that stuff. But when he heard Bleed for Me, he's like, Why are they not huge? And yeah. Like, I mean, well, let so me tell good. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you did you fuck with Bleed for Me, Mark? Not really. I saw them a bunch of times, but I never so good. That like sat down with the, the quasi full length that they did. Uh with the like you know, get off your tractor, you fucking cracker, or whatever that line is. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so, that was that like a collection. So good of the first demo, our seven inch, and like four other songs. That's that's the, the only thing that has songs I wrote for Bleed for Me on. Hmm. Okay, I mean that whole that thing CD is great, thing. and there's those weird little like sample interlude, like Casio keyboard things or whatever, like video games yeah. or whatever, whatever was going on there, like. I listen to that thing so much. I need to revisit it. I got to figure out where it is and revisit it. I, anyway, back to Billy. <laughs> You're just talking about like Buffalo, Buffalo hardcore that no one listens to. <laughs> Says who? That's good. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Like if somebody like, if somebody would be on be like, oh yeah, I love Nail and Bleed for me. That'd be like a six hour episode. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a bleed for me song draft. <laughs> Yo, I'm down. I, mean, I think I feel like there's not enough for us to do three songs each. We'd have to do like one or two. <laughs> but I'm yeah. down. Like that four song one with like the Descendants cover and uh, oh, what are the what are the other songs on it? There's the like um, Fuck, I'm totally drawing a blank on them, and, I, and they're on my phone. I can't look, otherwise I'll kick myself mm-hmm. out of this. Well, here's a question for Billy. Yes. What kind of what stuff do you like that's around right now? Yes. Oh, besides um, turnstile. Besides turnstile. Well, Buffalo wise, like my two favorite Buffalo bands are Spaced and Exhibition. Mm-hmm. Those are two bands that kind of do hardcore the way I really like it. They're both two different types of bands. Mm-hmm. Those are like my two favorite types of hard. They're both fast. Mm-hmm. The one's fast and a little heavier, got a little more like metal. Lean. I mean, Exhibition's not metal at all, but they definitely have some leaning in there. Mm-hmm. And then Space they, they got just that kinda, ripping. They, they shred, as the kids say. Yeah, well, where Space is more toward leaning melodic hardcore wise and they get a little weird in parts mm-hmm. which I love and both those bands are really like I think they're just amazing 
Are you going to the show on Monday? Probably. I'm I'm planning on it, but you know how it is when you have kids. Yes. You know. What's the show Monday? So, military Gun. Space is playing, Science Man's playing, and Fatal Visions are playing, and Carpool. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. I really like that Fatal Visions demo, too. Yeah. Yeah, I want to check Same. them out. Buffalo is very exciting right now. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, like, all the bands are good. Like, I don't, like those two bands are just, like, my favorites because they're more along the styles I like. Mm-hmm. But I feel like most of the Buffalo bands now are pretty comparable in quality. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of like, what do you like more? Not that one band's necessarily better than another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, I feel like right now, Buffalo has two bands that can headline. Yeah. Uh, in Buffalo, and soon within, I would say by the end of the year, they could potentially headline nationally. Yeah, if they if they yeah. keep the same momentum going and and doing their thing, those two bands being exhibition and spaced. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I feel like it's been a long time since Buffalo has had that. Yeah, no, yeah, it has been. It's been a lull for a long time in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's good that it's back. You know, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, and it's two great bands that are different from each other. Yeah. yeah, you know, like flying that flying that flag for Buffalo and and making those moves. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely, yes. Yeah. So, what about reg- what about not not regular bands, but bands that aren't from Buffalo <laughs> that you like? I can't believe. Um, Shit, I can't believe I can't even think of their name right now. <laughs> There's a couple. I really like that Fame band a lot. I'm gonna be going next month. I'm gonna be traveling to see them so I can see them live before they break up. Is that F A I M? Um, yes. Yeah, I didn't know they were breaking up. Yes. Yeah, breaking what was news. their last record? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess there was a lot. Like they, they just kind of announced the record on Safe and Sides. It's gonna be their last album, and then. They're gonna do like some small. I'm assuming these are gonna be the last East Coast shows. Mm-hmm. Where are they um, from? Colorado. Okay. So where are they playing around and here? They're not playing around here. Um, I'm going to a couple shows in Massachusetts because nice. one of them is gonna be with Catharsis. Oh, cool. I was gonna go to a show in Baltimore. That would I would have had to have taken two days off from work. Yeah. And, you know, driven there to see one show, spend the night, then come home. But then when I saw they were playing with Catharsis in Massachusetts, I was like, oh. And they're playing two shows that are, like, a couple hours away from each other. So I'm still taking two days off. But But now I get to see them twice. Yeah, more bang for your buck. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I kind of did that last year. Or was that this year? No, last year for Chamberlain. I went. It was last year. It was, like, almost a year ago. Went to New York, Boston, and Jersey. Three days, yeah. got all my Chamberlain in. I'm good for a while. <laughs> I feel like my mind always goes blank when I get questions like, "What's your favorite?" I got to like see what have I been listening to lately because sometimes yeah. I just bounce around so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's that's one band that's really been. I like the only shallow band from Rochester. They're they're, they're just they're they're a little more nerve agents leaning. Mm-hmm. Um, oh God. and their uh their demo is pretty good but they just released a two song uh lathe cut that's really fucking good 
Those mm-hmm. two songs are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple bands, usually because of No Echo, I'll check out new bands' demos. Yeah. And um, there's a couple of newer bands I came across. Um, yeah, now I'm looking at Drink Deep. Uh, mm-hmm. They're a European band with uh, at least one person from Remission. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I like that demo a lot. And um, oh, and that's what it is. Hard to know the the new Rochester band, which mm-hmm. is like Rory and Rob. A bunch of the usual suspects are doing another like faster hardcore band. Cool. And that Planet on a Chain band yeah. is really fucking good. Mm-hmm. I was kind of expecting them not to be that good because I was like, I really like that name. I'm like, <laughs> I, I doubt they're going to be as good as the name, but no, they're that new. <laughs> that was fucking awesome. <laughs> It's it's an interesting name. I don't understand it, but yeah, I, I dig that. No, band. I just like the way it sounds. It's different. Yeah, that's There's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's Planet and Chain. Yeah, it's got a it, it rolls off the tongue well. But again, it's like yeah, they're not going to be that good, but they are. There you go. Yeah. Here, here's a question for you, Billy. <laughs> How did you end up uh, contributing to No Echo? How does that like come about? Um. A couple years ago, I think it was like probably right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, he put out a call to people being like, uh, you know, I'm trying to collect stories about 90s hardcore bands. If anybody mm-hmm. has anything they want to contribute. And around that time, um, Gus was talking about trying to do the music to dance to Slugfest release as a 12 inch. And mm-hmm. when he was doing that, I was like, well, can you let me, I, you know, how, like when people do things like that and someone who's not related to the band will write like a little something mm-hmm. about them. Yeah. I asked him if I'd be able to do, if he did it, if I could write something. Cause I had something to say about, it. I, cause Slugfest was a very, not just cause they're friends and an old band, but they, they were a band that really had an impact on me mm-hmm. uh, and probably really started my attitude about everything and how I think about hardcore. Yeah. Um, not not just because of things Scott said live, but because of the actions and things I yeah. saw of him and Jay and Tim, like all of them. Mm-hmm. And so I had a lot to say. And as it looked like that wasn't going to happen and No Echo put that out, I shot the idea to Carlos. I'm like, look, if I wrote an article about Slugfest, would you want that? Mm-hmm. And he was down. And he was just like, if you ever want to write anything else. So I'm not like a usual contributor, but since I've done that, uh, some of my friends will reach out to me sometimes being like, could you do something for no echo? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the few things where I just reached out to a band was when I did the Nightbirds interview mm-hmm. because I was mm-hmm. supposed to go see their last show. And I like that band a lot. And I was like, Oh, I've never seen them. Like I checked the no echo archives. I'm like, some reason this band never got covered. Yeah. And um, so that came together pretty easily. Um, mm-hmm. Some things have been a little easier to write than others. I've had some ideas to do things, but I just like, I try to sit down and be like, well, if I'm going to ask this band to interview them, let me mm-hmm. see if I can come up with some questions. And I get stuck at like two and I'm like, I guess this isn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and but I, other. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. 
Uh, I was going to say other bands, it's like super easy. Like I felt a little stressed when uh, Dave Bushmeyer asked me to do something for New Day Rising. And I was like, definitely. And I kind of felt really like, uh, am I going to be able to do this? But again, it's an old band where they're they're not from Buffalo, but there's a lot of history with them and just shows. So when I started trying to think about what to talk to them about, it just kind of, I didn't have a problem coming up with anything. So that ended up being pretty easy. Yeah, and I, and I want to thank you for doing that uh, no echo piece on us and when we were first starting out. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's all. I can't remember who approached who about that, but I remember thinking it was a good idea because the other thing is because I know he wants things on there, and I try to think of what would be something different to approach this with than just talking to a band again. Yeah, and I yeah. think around that time I did. Your, I don't. I can't remember if you guys asked me or if the idea struck me when Rob. Um. Antonucci asked me to do something about it because he he put together an, a, a book about Achilles. Yeah. Which I thought was just really interesting that this relatively smaller Rochester band, yeah, they were putting this book out. And um it was a pretty ambitious considering how big of a band they were. Not you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never like heard I've never heard that. of them. So right. And uh, so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So he sent me the book. I read it. It's really, it's like, because he's a graphic artist and everything yeah. about it like, looks really good. Um, Rory's a really good speaker and writer. Yeah. Um, so it all came together like awesome. And like I said, it's very ambitious for a band of their size to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was a cool idea to, do, to write about that also. Because again, it was something that I wasn't seeing people talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, it's that's, and it's all important. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's all important. Whether we whether a person likes it or not, it's all important, and it should all be to some yeah. degree documented in, mm-hmm. in some capacity in some format. Mm-hmm. But and that yeah, is ambitious so. to do a book on a band that like, like I said, I didn't, I don't recall that band. You know, not that I'm like an encyclopedia of like hardcore or anything, but that's very ambitious. I hope that they did well with that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was I, I think nice the way they book. did it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the way they did it made it because I think with like Amazon, they have this way where people can publish their own book where mm. it's like a made to order kind of thing. So I think yeah. it's a little like less risky to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's probably some upfront costs that I'm not aware of. Yeah, but right, it probably sure. limits someone being like, "I'm gonna print, I'm gonna print all these books," <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, right? But like I said, I I think it's the the way they did it. If you were to come across it and you you weren't familiar with the band, but you read it, yeah. I think it was done well enough where it would make you want to check out the band. Cool. Hmm. Cool. 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 It's it's interesting that hardcore is reached hardcore, a hardcore specifically more so than punk has reached a point where people are writing books about things and doing books. Cause I feel like, like punk has had that for a while. Yeah. You know, but like hardcore is really starting to get into that, you mm-hmm. know, like it's, it's, I can't wait to see what the first or like first few like band books are going to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're you know, like, where's the like, I would say, where's the Chromax book? But that's already been done twice. But you know <laughs> what I'm saying, like, yeah, yeah. I guess there's a there's a sick of it all book, you know. 
There is there is a sick of it all book, so I guess I'm like fucking stupid, and Derek should just delete that whole little thing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was thinking more like, like, you know, who's gonna write a zero tolerance book and who's gonna buy it? You're gonna write the zero tolerance. No, uh, if I was a writer, I would, but I've given up on those fantasies. Yeah. Like if it's not fantasy, I'm not writing it. Though it would be uh, interesting to do a zero tolerance book that has actually <laughs> nothing to do with zero tolerance. <laughs> like yeah. it's just like got the burning fight book. It's a good, good yeah. hardcore book. <laughs> yeah, so I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking the about. The all ages book. A whole bunch. There's a whole bunch of hardcore <laughs> books. But I'm thinking more specifically about bands, like how uh I'm pretty sure there was a Black Flag book not written by anyone in Black Flag. Yeah. You know, like I was thinking and and more along the lines of like Achilles, like smaller bands that people don't necessarily know about, not the like not the big ones or time periods. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna stop talking because I'm an idiot. It's all good, Chris. It's all good. <laughs> let's let's do that nail book. Come on, let's do this. <laughs> oh man, a nail book would be weird and interesting. The band is lined over with- everyone. <laughs> no, that's rule. That's rule. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's how I was thinking rule. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, rule. Formerly the real rulers. <laughs> the band that would headline over every band. And rule wasn't a bad name. Like that was actually a halfway decent name. Real rulers was bad, but rule was pretty cool. <laughs> nice. What else we what else we have for Billy? So let's let's get into it. Uh, have we gotten into it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was good. It was a good move to change their name. <laughs> it was absolutely a good move to change their name. Real Rulers was corny. Uh, so uh, what I was saying is let's let's yeah. talk about where you're at now. Like, and, and I, I don't know how to word some of these questions. So if they're weird and awkward i'm sorry but i'm weird and awkward so i feel like it's just going to kind of happen like that okay so you want to get into where i'm at now and you want yes. me to lead the conversation because it's too awkward okay <laughs> so <laughs> yes take it back to the old school okay so about um maybe about a year and a half now i came out as being transgender mm-hmm. i anybody who's hearing my voice which is one of the things i'm most dysphoric about can't tell but i think if you see pictures of me now it's obvious i'm a trans woman mm-hmm. um it was a very talk about awkward that was a very awkward uh long term thing to come to mm-hmm um and but i to to sum it up easily it's something i wish i came to terms with a lot sooner uh because in like it, it doesn't like make life perfect but as my perceptions of myself goes i've never been happier awesome yeah it's great so Talk about awkward. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, it is. It, no, I, it is great. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to 
strategically word the next question because this is this is n- new, you know? Wait, wait, when... So first, when you did come out, were people supportive of you? Yes, was everybody there... was, like, amazingly supportive. And, like, I guess... Like, if I was younger and didn't know people for as long as I have, I might... Honestly, I didn't really expect most people to really have a problem with it at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't know necessarily how it was going to go, but I didn't... I didn't... We'll say I didn't expect things to go poorly. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, especially with my close friends, Mm -hmm. with my spouse, my parents... I knew I wasn't going to have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, for me, I'm very lucky. A lot of people, a lot of people in my situation aren't that lucky. My biggest problem with all of it and coming to terms with it was just dealing with my myself and my own feelings. Not mm-hmm. so, and again, kind of like the awkwardness. Like the night I came out and like typed it out to everybody, or like when I told my spouse. It was like, stu- like it. It was just like super. Like it felt so weird. But at the same time, when I was done, I was just like, you know, no matter what happens, I'm I'm glad I said it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because uh, like when when I told her, you know, first I told her, mm-hmm. then I told my hairdresser, and then my <laughs> therapist, <laughs> and um, the uh. Yeah, and, and she was like, "So, you know, like, what? What's your game plan?" And I'm like, "I really don't know. I don't have a time. Like, I didn't have a timeline. Mm-hmm. I was seriously like driving back to Buffalo from a show I drove out to in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and that night, like, I kind of just pulled to the side and I was just like, "Now's the time," mm-hmm. and I just like spilled the whole like for some reason at that moment it just felt like this is the time, and I did mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. yeah um, no it's 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 wonderful that everyone was so supportive like i saw when you when you made the post about it like all the positive messages and comments and it was mm-hmm. great that from my perspective yeah that's how it should be you know <laughs> i mean yeah i wish i wish everybody could have that because i mean regardless of all the things i say like how i feel better about myself and even with all this positivity around me, there still are a lot, like, there's, like, so many years of, like, like, you're kind of programmed to think a certain way yeah. that it kind of fucks with. And none of that, it doesn't, like, all go away even when you accept it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's, that kind of stuff, like, fucks with you. And, like, the dysphoria, like, there's been points where I went, I've got, I mean, it's only been a year and a half, but like if I go like a month or two without feeling dysphoric at all, I'm kind of like, oh, I got past that. that yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's behind me. And then just something hits me and it's like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a weird thing. It's, it's kind of like a, it's, it's obvious to me now it's not a new feeling. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard other people see this too, like other, trans women and men that they didn't even realize that what they felt was dysphoria until 
they started transitioning. Mm-hmm. And then you, you kind of see this negative attitude you have about yourself and your appearance in a different, like, it's kind of different than just being like, oh, my hair sucks today. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like this whole, like, kind of like negative attitude that for me for years was kind of like me writing off as being like a low self-esteem issue and blah, blah, blah. It was actually mm-hmm. something different. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I guess it was that to a degree, but it was something much more than that. And mm-hmm. uh, I kind of ignored it. You know, it was just like, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I'll feel better tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but, but even that, like, even when you have those bad points, when you know what it is, it's easier to deal with. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I guess the question is, when did you stop ignoring it? It really, I don't know why, but it really started coming to a head to me about 10 or 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was kind of wrestling with a lot of feelings and stuff and, as um you know it's this is like actually like one of the times where the internet's really good because i kind of started seeing like for some reason especially over the past like probably for at least a year before i like came out about it i started seeing more people like for some reason my my social media feed more on twitter than any place else started having more like trans women um non-binary people and listening to them talk, I kind of saw things that I was like, I relate to that feeling mm-hmm. and kind of started really putting things into more perspective. And again, things that I was thinking, I was like, maybe I there, mind you, in a lot of this, there's a lot of denial through all the years. Um, and uh, mostly just came to a point where maybe what I feel like I am isn't this big impossibility that I thought it was. I didn't know there were all these, like, there, I didn't know that you could take hormones as easily as you can. It's not easy for everybody to get it, but it's not like this huge different thing. And, you know, to change your appearance and to actually change how you feel. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it changes how you feel if you're leaning that way. It's not going to just change how you feel just because you know. Um, but uh, like I remember being a kid and thinking, you know, I, I, I just sit there and like wish I was a woman, and I was like, but that's never going to happen. That it's just a fucking complete impossibility in my mind. Mm-hmm. It was just like, like I knew. Like it was at a point where I was old enough to know people had like sex change operations. It's mm-hmm. called different now. Now it's like gender affirming care and blah blah blah. But back then, it was a sex change operation. And I was like, yeah. but that's something for rich people. I'm mm-hmm. never gonna be rich, you know. Like that. That's mm-hmm. how my mind was. So I just like blocked it, and I was like, so in my mind, it's like this is just a phase. Whatever it is, I'll outgrow it. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I came to terms with it, and even now I'm realizing how bad that denial was, where kind of like old feelings, like something will happen that I'll remember something, like how I felt watching a movie or something when I was even younger. And I was like, wow, I totally was like in that much denial. I forgot about all that. Mm -hmm. So it's 
it's something that was really like a long time coming. It's like always been there, but I would just ignore it. Yeah, I feel like one, one another good thing about social media too is like I've seen how like you know like the people around you have supported you, like especially like Jen and stuff, and like it just it's cool that you know because a lot of people like you said a lot of people like either don't get support or you know or they get they get no support uh, opposite or they get, of support, support, or yeah. they get negative reactions and everything because that's that's a lot of what I see. Maybe I read the stupid comments on. You know, on people's things and stuff, and I, I always never, see negative things on like online. It's, never, it's just... never, never read the comments. Never read the comments. <laughs> I'm always <laughs> expecting a negative, yeah. but I think with you, like you know, we're we're friends on social media, of course, and it's always been like you know positive and you know and great. Has has there been any negative that you that you've like people people close to you? There hasn't been anything directly negative. Okay. There are a couple people who I have cut out of my life. Mm-hmm. Because even though they didn't say things directed towards me, mm-hmm. after coming out, I would see them like or post things about, um, you know, supporting the idea that trans women don't belong in women's sports, mm-hmm. which is a transphobic dog whistle that was used to kind of start up everything that we're where we're at today. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I just don't. Maybe I'm being oversensitive. But I just don't have time for that kind of bullshit and people like that. So mm-hmm. I just like I'd see that and I just block them on everything. I didn't explain. I just just kind of cut them out. I don't think um, it's being overly sensitive at all, but just to say no. That. Yeah, I. Yeah, no. It's it's it's, like, it's, it's... Right. Yeah. So like I said, they never were directly said anything to me. Mm-hmm. But to me, that was just like, well, I see how you see things, and I don't. Yeah, you, you kind of know. know where their head is at with with some of that stuff. Yeah, and it's like, and if one thing that I've I've noticed is kind of being more honest with myself, I I kind of realized I can't ignore my feelings about things, mm-hmm. just in general, mm-hmm. not just that. It's kind of made me more aware of how harmful that can be. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like when you're. Like, I, I don't know about everybody else, but for me coming to terms with it, like it got like, it's nothing that was like openly out there, but it got for me personally, it got dark. Mm-hmm. It got really dark. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, I haven't seen or heard necessarily anything ne- negative in regards to you, but there has been, I know that some people, I know there's been some misgendering at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so sometimes that's just accidental. Yeah. yeah, I I don't. Um, most of the time when things like that happen, I can't say it doesn't always bother me because it kind of depends where my head's at at that time. Yeah, because mm-hmm. um, my emotions can get kind of ballistic. But sometimes <laughs> it's easier for me to brush off. Sometimes it's kind of like what the fuck. But yeah, but I yeah, know people yeah. don't don't mean it like intentionally some people are really like i'll catch most people catch themselves and apologize right away yeah Mm -hmm. um but i i remember very specifically when i first came out and i was like talking to dan cross at something and like he messaged me later that night and he's like i'm so sorry i said some wrong things when i was talking to you 
I miss, I don't even remember what, like, I didn't even notice him doing it. Mm-hmm. And I probably part of it was because it was Dan Cross. Yeah. He's somebody who I know where his head's at. You know Definitely. what I mean? Right. Definitely. And he was like, and I was just like, I'm like, it's cool. I didn't notice it. I know you don't mean anything. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And he, like he put things into a really good, he was just like, no, it's not cool. I shouldn't have done that. So don't like more or less don't feel like you have to tell me that, you know? And uh, I thought that was really cool the way he put it. And it made me, it it, it helped shifted the way I looked at things when it came to Mm -hmm. that. Like maybe, you know, like you don't have to be a, like I don't have to be a dick about every time something happens, (laughs) but at the same time, I don't have to be like um, too gracious about it. Yeah, gracious. Yeah, yeah. passive about it. Yeah. Um, so I try to keep that in mind. Yeah. I'm glad you're cutting Pete. You, you know, you see where people's heads at, you kind of cut them out of your life. Cause I think not enough people do that. Like, I think a lot of people like to stick around for the drama rather than like getting their themselves, like where they either want to be or need to be. And I, I think, I mean, I don't know how, what I'm saying here, but <laughs> I feel it's good that you no, know, I, it. it's a good, I know it's what a good you're thing. saying. Cause I, I feel I, like, no, I, Go on, sorry. No, go ahead. I know what you're saying exactly. I feel like I've done that at times too, even in my own life. It's like you like like you were saying how people how people like react to things and how they like things and stuff. And like you I see that a lot with things. And like you don't like we don't need or not we, but people don't need that stuff in their life. And I think a lot of people hold on to that stuff and they'd rather like engage it rather than like you don't need these people. You need the positive people in your life, not the people who are mm-hmm. gonna tear you down like what good are the negative people in your life gonna do they're not gonna change at least in my right. opinion so it's it's cool that you've approached it in that way i think yeah again a part of it just kind of a lot of that just came down to me being honest with myself about how i felt finally mm-hmm. and so like in b- both situations where that happened i didn't just like do it automatically i sat on it a couple days and i was like this is still bothering me mm-hmm. so fuck mm-hmm. them yeah <laughs> more or less yeah. Yeah. And, and for the most part, I too have a similar policy in that of like people move in a certain direction and it's bothering me for a couple of days. Those people need to go away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I try, I don't always stick with that, you know, but I try. Yeah. No, it's, and it, it depends on the person too, because it's like some, like the one person who just liked something, they were somebody who I've noticed a lot, like things that were more like right wing leaning, leaning, yeah. mm-hmm. like they had this attitude, yeah. like, you know, fuck the liberals kind of thing. And, yeah. uh, you, you, you know, so it's kind of like, I know this wasn't a mistake. Yes. I know this yeah. wasn't some misunderstanding or something I could talk this person down from where yeah. if it was somebody who I thought over, oh, overall had a better attitude about things i might approach them and be like mm-hmm. hey why would you say why would you like that you, you right. know find a yeah. way to talk to them about it there's yeah. obviously other behaviors with people that you notice through the years to be like is this something worth addressing or not worth my time yeah yeah yeah, yeah definitely um what's i gonna say now sports just know, kidding <laughs> It's a body count reference. Now sports. <laughs> 17 yes, use yes, killing gang nice. warfare. Now sports. Anyway. <laughs> um let me see. Where do where do we want to go on this? Or, or are we done with it? Well, there's so I I recently saw on Twitter um 
Ah, oh, what what the hell is their name? Um, somebody <coughs> had suggested that there's a difference between transsexual and transgender. Are have you noticed or paid attention to like those kind of politics? Um, I generally don't. Um, unfortunate. Well. You know, sometimes fortunately, but unfortunately, and something I'm trying to change is that I'm not very involved or know much about what's happening in the the trans community. Mm-hmm. I over the past like maybe a little less than a year, I started going to some like there's a trans support group in Buffalo uh, that mm-hmm. I've been trying to make it to meetings too. I went to a trans wellness conference, um, and. Uh, I've been trying to go to things like that to try and get, you know, to know that community. Like, I I do think it's a negative thing that I don't really have many trans friends. Um, I got a couple more acquaintances, like people who are in other bands. Mm-hmm. We all were, like, friendly online. Um, but there, there are differences in the trans... Like, you know, whether you're a trans woman, a trans man, a non-binary, you're, I do think you're a trans individual. There are obviously different things that happen to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has their own journey. There, there's like the similarities and there's the differences. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I really don't even know what the term transsexual would mean anymore. I, it's, and I, I could be wrong. I'm not saying anybody's wrong for using it in a positive way, but in the my go ahead, I'll finish. Oh, your I, I, before I say, oh, from from a very limited and uneducated perspective, unless there's something I'm missing, I always see it as kind of a dated and maybe meant to be a derogatory term. So the the context that I was seeing it under, it was um. Uh, a trans porn star who's been around forever. Uh, trans man. I cannot remember his name to save my life. But he he was saying that he's transsexual and not transgender. But he also seems to be right leaning. Mm-hmm. So I I the and I could be totally wrong on this, but the feeling I kind of got is that right-leaning trans um, who who are pushing the drag queens or sexualizing children narrative are calling themselves transsexual. But I could be totally wrong on that because, again, it's just like a thread that mm-hmm. I saw on Twitter and just kind of like br- browsed through, but just seeing like the vibe of certain things. Uh, yeah, it's... It's, it's a weird aspect that I've come across hints of where you do have people in the trans and in the gay community who kind of team up with that side. I, I can't understand why, if they really think it for some reason, or if mm-hmm. um, they think if shit really goes down, they're going to be left alone because of it. I think those Which, people, I think those people are grifters. Like, they yeah. people will listen, people will listen to them because they have that right leaning perspective, so they can go talk on whatever right leaning show, and people mm-hmm. will listen to them. And 
buy their books and listen to their podcasts, whatever the fuck they have. And that's that's their whole grift. And I don't understand yeah. how it's like that in any walk of life. It's just silly yeah. yeah. that the people will go against their own interests. Right. No, <laughs> it's it's like the whole turf movement where they're teaming up with anti-choice groups. It's like yeah, you say you're feminists, but <laughs> Yeah. 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 Everything you're yeah, doing is like, contradictory to that. Yeah. Yeah. And you see it, you see it in unions a lot. Union members who vote against their best interests mm-hmm. and then complain about how things are. It's yeah. curious, curious how people will just go against their best interests like that. Yeah. I, it doesn't make any sense. But yeah. like anything, you, you know, just because a group's a minority doesn't really get them away from other problems Mm -hmm. like you Mm -hmm. definitely have like one problem i even though i haven't seen it that much but one thing i see a complaint come out a lot is that um trans women of color will complain about how like white trans women like obviously they don't mean everybody but they're ones who are definitely racist and kind of Mm -hmm. throw other people under the bus and there's one in particular who um I I didn't see what she actually said, but I buy it because of the context I read about it in where she said something racist and somebody called her out on it Mm. and she wouldn't backtrack or apologize or even think about what she said. Like her ego got a bit too much of her. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not racist. And that like the whole idea of that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, well, she's probably racist then (laughs) because you know because things like that happen it's like jen's very involved with different social groups and things and if somebody tells her you know you shouldn't say something like that she doesn't argue with them and be like mark knows jen she's yeah can have a lot of attitude she will (laughs) sit back and think about what that person said and change and make the necessary changes to not make that mistake again that's what someone who's an ally should do, an ally for any group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like you should listen to what the people in that group are saying and not just go by what you think. It's like, um, so that that was kind of disappointing to come across things like that. But not, again, not mm-hmm. surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Curious who that is. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even know how to pronounce the name. I, I know what her screen name is, but I yeah. I don't even know what the proper pronunciation that's, that's, is. That's that's fine. People, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, people yeah. are strange. It's yeah. like people are strange. Not to change the subject drastically, but it's like these people who like you know you see these what these people were saying behind the scenes about like Trump and January sixth and stuff. Yet they still like will follow them even though these people do not give a shit about them there's like wait behind the scenes saying what i'm sorry i missed all those, all those text messages like between the fox hosts and they're talking oh, shit. I... they they were talking shit about trump like they like oh. still stop the steal they knew this shit was bullshit but they were just you know you know it's like it's like if i if you're calling me names behind my back and then i'm still friends with you basically it's like that's yeah, what, yeah. that's basically what they're doing but they're like oh but you know you got to so Speaking on the stop the steal thing, not to completely go in another direction, but we're doing it just it. popped into my head, but we're doing it. The whole thing about the police leading uh, the the QAnon shaman around the Capitol building, taking yeah. him to various rooms to try to get in. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about that because that video almost seems fake. 
What are you talking but about? But on the other side of it, it it's, everything was just so calm and there was no one else. Like, this guy is just with, like, three or four cops and there's no one else anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but then on the other side of it, I also felt that a lot of cops were involved in that. Definitely. You know, yeah, cops there's no lean. way they weren't. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of cops mm-hmm. lean. <laughs> but anyway, back to Billy. <laughs> back to Billy. <laughs> enough of it. Enough of this. This nonsense. This. How many times have we said that this episode? <laughs> 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 yeah. So, um, I'm assuming your kids have just been like, everything is cool. Yeah, everything's cool. Well, my oldest thought it was they were just like cool, and then a yeah. couple months later they came out as being non-binary. Yeah, um, I mean, so um, so yeah, so we're we're definitely like that. That's kind of a big focus for me on like where I can see the differences in things yeah. because it's kind of the same kind of different. And um, for me, it's a it's like I gotta watch myself because they're not me they're on their a different journey and sometimes mm-hmm. i see things where it's like you know i remember being younger and feeling that way yeah. and like the the way they brought it up to us i was like wow if, if i was 11 this is how i would probably act about yeah. it too yeah. um but i gotta i gotta remember not to put too much of myself into that idea because mm-hmm. um you know, non-binary means you could go either way how you're feeling, and that's awesome. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and that's that's a part of that where it's like, yes, I'm I'm very much binary. I feel a certain way, mm-hmm. and uh, so I got to remember not to like like at first I was kind of putting my own like my own journey onto onto them, and mm-hmm. I got to try not to do that and. I try to ask them questions and see how they're feeling about things without sounding like I'm trying to tell them what they should do because there's an, they've got to figure that out for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good parenting there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a lot of parents, for a lot of parents, I mean, we've seen it all like, you know, that they're, they're, you know, their kids are there like, their their reclamation project basically <laughs> right or, we or got, we got, accessory we, we or gotta let a, our kids yeah. be our kids you know like you know yeah i feel like like with my kids like i've i feel like i've been better i mean not that i'm a perfect parent but i feel like i tried to listen to them and all that stuff i mean it's not always been the best but i i hope that you know that's i i approach in that way as well like i you know i want them to be who they are and stuff like that so Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's you know it's it's good. You're a great parent, Billy. Yeah. Yes, thanks. Both of you, you and Jen, great people. Oh, thanks. I've seen you online. You guys are great parents. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you guys are awesome. You you guys are awesome though. Like I mean, you guys are great. yeah, one hundred percent. Like one hundred percent. You guys are great. <laughs> Uh, or you, you two, you people are great. Sorry, <laughs> you know what yes. I mean. Sorry, <laughs> I'm fully aware of that because I know, like, I've been around. Like, like, if people want to be called something or want to be referred to, way, you sh- you need to respect that. Like, that's one thing I don't understand why people can't do that. Like, just because right. things are a way you want to be doesn't mean it's the way that the person wants to be referred to, not how you want to call and, them. <laughs> and to to piggyback off of that. 
don't get defensive if you make if you misgender or make a mistake just apologize and move on don't make it about you it's not about you be respectful yeah be respectful <laughs> at least i hope i'm being that, that way <laughs> no that is like pretty much the best way to do it because sometimes normally it's, it it really is it's just the best way to do it just just move along you know if you're just like sorry i didn't mean that and but sometimes that's not even always necessary depending on the situation you know what i mean yeah it's definitely. it's like it because sometimes it makes it more awkward if people do <laughs> much um because mm-hmm. i think i think most people are like i said sometimes it depends on that you can always tell where a person's head at which is definitely unfair to the other <laughs> Um, but so, some days I'm more sensitive to those things than others, and um, mm-hmm. which I fucking hate. It drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least that you're more sensitive to I'm it. Aware of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I wish I could just kind of be like on a steady, just more in a steady way with everything than just mm-hmm. being like. Some days it's like what the fuck, and then other days it's like whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. But it's a lot more intense than that, like in my head, and uh, it's worse when I don't. Yeah. I'm not aware it's happening, and I don't realize till like a day later. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah. What are you reading, Chris? Yeah. Uh, nothing. So <laughs> 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 <quiet> notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because I have notes doesn't mean I can't make it awkward. Um, <laughs> Let's let's go into this direction real quick, and then we'll finish up. Let's talk about briefly uh, the transmission dance parties and Smiths versus Cure Knights. Okay. Uh, what what motivated you to start doing those? Um, and how long have they been going? For people who don't know, we've been doing this for twenty years now. Holy crap! Uh, because we, yeah, we we missed we missed one because of the pandemic. So the other night was our nineteenth annual one, but it was actually marked twenty years of doing transmission. Wow, um, crazy! Jay and I were doing. We were helping a friend move. Well, a friend's girlfriend move um, to Buffalo, and him and I were in a van for a long time, mm-hmm. and we were we were talking about it, and neither of us ever DJed anything. And at the time. Our friend Sandy. Do you remember Stoner Metal Sandy Mark? Yeah, yeah. Right? She was doing metal nights. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of like, maybe she'd let us borrow her mixer to just see if we can do this. And we're like, where are we gonna do it? And we're kind of like, why don't we ask Mohawk Place, who had never done anything like that? They were a live music venue. Mm-hmm. But um they were very indie centered. So I was like, we kind of decided, let's see what they think about this. And we talked to Pete. Uh, who was the owner of Mohawk Place? And then we're like, look, we got this idea. And um and I and I was like, I know you're not a dance club, but I really think this would be the right venue for it because of the type of music you bring in. And he was really skeptical. He he was like, Well, when would you want to do that? Because we didn't like know each other, but he recognized me because I'd go to shows there a lot. And he's he was a very good at like recognizing people. He'd make small talk with you if he saw you there all the time. And I was mm-hmm. like, we we want to do a Saturday night. He's like, a Saturday night. He's like, I'm gonna need like a hundred people in here if you're gonna do a Saturday night. And I was like, I I think we can do it. 
and I did not think we could do it. I did not. Know <laughs> no. I was just like, fuck. I go, Jay, we got it. But he says we need to get in a hundred people for this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've never done anything like this before. We had no fucking idea what we were doing. But yeah, we yeah. flyered it so hard. Like, we put flyers everywhere mm-hmm. in fucking January because the dance party was in February. <laughs> the worst time to fly or anything. <laughs> and we're there. We're set up. There's a line out the fucking door around the block. Mm-hmm. At the end of the, wow. like somebody hit hit a fire alarm later in the night, so it ended a little yeah. early because of that. Yeah. Pete was actually kind of mad at the end of the night because he was just like he's like there were so many people there. He's like, I didn't have enough people on the bar. Like, I don't know. But then like like I think after he realized how much money they made, mm-hmm. he was like, So when do you want to do something like this again? <laughs> <laughs> And so we just started, you know, and part of it was timing. It was right when that whole electro clash thing was really picking up mm-hmm. bands like, like the rapture, the faint, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Tigre were really like grabbing attention. You know, there was mm-hmm. a lot, Yeah, there was a lot happening at that moment to really help booster what we were doing. Mm-hmm. The continental was just fucking dying then. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like they still had their weekly dance night, but I feel like most people didn't care about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we just did it, and it was awesome for like the longest time. Obviously, we don't do it as much anymore because everything kind of falls out of fashion, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there was a long stretch where it was just like we were doing a dance party every like three to four months. We kept doing the Smiths versus the Cure annually. Mm-hmm. Mohawk Place closed. We did one at um oh, I can't believe I can't think of what the bar's name was. There's this like art space bar that was uh pretty cool and other people were doing indie dance parties there. But the night we did ours there, it was kind of snowy, so it ended up not being that great. Mm-hmm. And then that bar ended up closing. They got shut down by the city. And then um we were just like, what the fuck are we gonna do? Is this done? And then mm-hmm. Ironworks opened up, mm. and um, a friend of ours, a friend of ours' boyfriend, was working there, and he got us in. Mm-hmm. And the first one there was only about three hundred people. Only. But... <laughs> <laughs> I... <sighs> okay. Look, I know how it sounds. What but... <laughs> is a bigger room? Yeah. Do what we ended up doing after that, just like, but then after that one, like people like Ironworks, it's right mm. by the, it's between the arena and the casino. Mm. It's a nice clean bar. It's big. Mm-hmm. They're awesome to work with. And every year after that, it's been like a little over 500 people. Awesome. Nice. That's what people coming in and out. Cause it's a 500 person capacity room. Yeah. And um it's it's like it's hard to believe that's 20 years and this year was our biggest one yet. Wow. Um, yeah, I saw the pictures. It was crazy. Yeah, it's it's like awesome. And then I do a side thing like um during that time period the Icon reopened and my friend Damon was booking there and he was like i really like what you're doing with that we want to do a series of versus dance parties do you have any other ideas 
And I was like, I do have this idea that Jay never wanted to do uh, Depeche Mode versus New Order. So mm-hmm. he got this WBNY DJ, Aaron Andrews. He's like, I think he'd be down for it. He was. That's how I met Aaron Andrews, and we did one. It was okay. Um, And then him and I kept in touch and talked after doing that. And a couple years later, um, we're like, why don't we try and do one at Mohawk Place? And it was okay. Again, it, it wasn't, like, great. Um, Not compared to what we were doing with Transmission. And then Mohawk closed. Um, Transmission was kind of like petering out. We weren't doing much. I got approached by somebody at the bar hardware to be like, look, do you want to do a a dance night here? And this was before Mohawk reopened. And I was like, yeah, we can give it a shot. And it's a much smaller bar with a smaller back room. And so I talked to Aaron and I was like, do you want to give the Depeche Mode versus New Order another try? I know the other two weren't very big, but this place isn't very big. I think I think this would be the right room for that dance party with how many people came to our last two. And that was the year everybody decided they cared about the Depeche Mode versus New Order. <laughs> and it was too small of a room. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, it was awesome. It was like a hot because we were like, we're not on a stage there. We're not in a sound booth. We were on a table right on the floor <laughs> with a screen and a wall behind us. And, just, you know, it's basically being in a band playing a floor of a show that's packed. Yeah. You yeah. know, people are right there, which was awesome, except when their drinks got a little too close to our equipment. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> you know, so then after that, we've been doing it. Now we've started doing that every year because it's just like people decided they cared about it. And it's again, it's a lot of fun. And we're doing one in Rochester now in a couple weeks. Wow, that's nice. awesome. When are you going to um, franchise? <laughs> <laughs> the other people are doing their things. We're not the only Smith versus the Cure in town. There's another one mm. that happens in DC, and it's actually being done by somebody who moved there from Grand Island. Oh, really? So they totally yes, stole your was, idea. No, they were doing it before us. Apparently, it turned oh, out they're okay. like a year ahead of us, so they didn't. They didn't steal. Uh, okay. um, Who stole theirs? Not <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, transmission uh, South Dakota. Come on, let's make this happen. <laughs> North Dakota to see if there's actually people there. <laughs> yeah. Transmission Grand Rapids. <laughs> That's awesome, though. That's, that's that's really cool that you guys have been y- y'all been doing that so long. Yeah, it's oh. it's a lot of fun. Like I doing bands has not been consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of like it's not the same, but it kind of helps fill that void a little bit. Yeah. Um, like I'm the kind of person like I I tell people it's like you, you know when you're younger and you hear people say you know I don't do a band because I want to do a band I do it because I need it. One, yeah. I think mm-hmm. I need to do it. One, I think anybody who's younger and says that is kind of full of shit. Uh, <laughs> I know I would say that when I was younger. And being older now, I understand what it means more. Because now I look at that whole feeling as more of a curse. Uh, because I always feel like I want to do a band. Mm-hmm. But it's like everything else that goes into it is kind of like, fuck. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So, but but, but then- it's like a feeling that never goes away. 
Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, has anybody hit you up on your uh, desire to do another band? We're going to start practicing in April. Awesome. Nice. We, nice. Broke, we broke the story right here. <laughs> broke that shit. <laughs> so so uh, one person's got to get some things in order, and hopefully in April we're going to start practicing and see what happens. Very cool. Nice. Very excited. That's yeah. awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, so... I, I hope that works out. Nice. Yeah. I'm really excited yeah. about all the people who are interested in it. It's like it's a it's a it's a good group of people. A couple of one of one person is someone I've been friends with for a long time and I didn't know he played drums, mm-hmm. but I really like mm-hmm. him. And then the other two people are people from other Buffalo bands yeah. on and off who are people who I've always been like, I, I'd like to do a band with them. I, I like them as people, I yeah. like their attitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like any band they've done, no matter how short lived they are. Yeah. So I, I'm hoping it all works out. Cool. Good to hear. Very excited for this. Yeah. Awesome. Me too. Well, uh, I guess thank you for joining us tonight, Billy. This was a great conversation. Yeah. Yes. For, thank you. Thanks for asking me to, to be on it. As awkward as we, we made talk it. About now. <laughs> yeah. I, we love you. I love you. I'm super stoked that you came on. We yeah. should have done it sooner. Uh, but everything happens when it should. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Very cool. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks again. And oh, here's the question. Now that we probably asked you last time you were on the podcast. Who do you think we should have on this podcast in the future? You know, I probably have thought about this one before, but because I know Besides I hear you ask this question cool. to people all the time, I, I feel like I hear you ask that all the time. Yeah, it's it's a statement, and, and I think I, I think every time I hear you ask somebody, I'm like, oh, you should definitely have this person. And now that you're asking me, my mind's going blank. Yeah, <laughs> put oh, on the spot. But no, I mean, if you can get Steve Titus on, I think he'd be a good interview. Yeah, we're trying, we're trying, and um. I, I think there's some people like even if you did like two like Mike Canfield's still kicking around. I don't think yeah. he's been to a show in a while. Yeah. But he was part of the SBYC and did a lot of things. Um yeah. I think he'd be a good interview. Like um you know, kind of more that'd be more of a strictly nineties perspective, but yeah, definitely. Mike Mike was around for a lot of cool things. Windbreaker kid. Yeah, I, th- I, think he, I think he would have some good stories. Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I I feel like there's a man, there's this one kid who I can't remember his name. I don't know if I've even seen him at a show in a while. Who yeah. I think would be a great interview because I remember seeing him. At, I remember meeting this kid once at a show in Erie. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking to him and his dad. Because he was there with his dad, and we thought they were from Erie, but they were from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And then after that conversation, I'd see them at shows, and then eventually his dad would just drop. Like he was a little younger, so his dad would stick with him. Yeah. And then he's then, um, eventually his dad would just drop him off, and I'd always see him. At, you know, he'd be at like every show. He didn't like go off for bands. He didn't talk much. He just kind of stand in the back and watch. Yeah. But he was at like every fucking show for a while and i'd see his dad pick him up and i'd go have a conversation with him uh, <laughs> they were great 
Uh, it was because nice. we hit it off because we like I think I asked them some random question about Erie if some store down the street was open because we were trying to kill time, uh-huh. and uh, that's how we ended up talking. Mm. But you don't even know the kid's name. No, I'm terrible with remembering people's names. <laughs> it's really the fucking worst. It's like social media has really helped me with that. At least ones where people have to use their real names. Yeah. Right. If I know somebody on a format where they don't have their real name, I'm not remembering it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, kid, kid, if you're listening, hit us up. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thanks again. And uh, yeah, thank you, Joey. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it.